From the gun again on first down. Fires wide. Juan Daniels, touchdown, Georgia. This is your favorite receiver, Juan Daniels. And you're listening to the DGD podcast with my man, Robert Reynolds. Go dogs. Welcome to this episode of the DGD podcast. It is cocktail party week. Oh my God, as a Georgia fan, I cannot wait for this, but we've got a lot to talk about here. Uh, got Mark Shipper from Fifth Down College Football here. Uh, Going to talk a lot about this odyssey that he's doing right now. Uh, if you're not familiar with it, it's on his social media. There's a lot to go there, but I'm going to let him talk about that uh, more on the show today. But look, first, like I said, welcome to the DGD podcast, the NCDGD himself, Robert Reynolds, and brought to you by La Terrain. Use code DGD at checkout to get 10% off of your purchase. It is La-Terrain for those listening on podcast, La-T-O-U-R-A-I-N-E.com. Use code DGD at checkout and get 10% off of your purchase. With that being said, welcome, Mark, to the show. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hey, thank you. Glad to be on. It's uh, going to be a fun week uh, and a fun game in Jacksonville. Oh, yeah. And the good thing about it is you're actually going to be there, uh, as a lot of Georgia fans will be, Uh, you know, and and honestly, let's go ahead and jump straight into this odyssey, because to me, it's one of the most intriguing type of things that I noticed on social media. uh, And I like keeping up with it, Uh, you know, but let's talk a little bit more about it and and maybe why you wanted to start doing this. Uh, You know, so with that being said, what wanted you to to do this odyssey uh, to speak? Yeah, pure love of college football and, uh, you know, early life fascination with college football. And it's just been something I stuck with. Uh, I'm a writer. I've been uh, reporting and feature writing for the last 10 years, but that was never intended to be a career. So I wanted to move into books and uh, a college football book sounded good to me. It was something I loved and something I could get into. So I knew the way I wanted to write it. Uh, in college football, as you know, it's a it's a highly regional game. People are into their conference, they're into their local teams, and they kind of spread out haphazardly. They may not follow the rest of the country as closely as they follow their own, but I've, I've always followed the game nationally. So the book I wanted to write is I wanted to get into everybody's folk cultures, their local traditions, their local histories, and the big rivalry games I thought was the best way to do that, uh, showcasing some of the top teams from the region, uh, telling how they got together, why they got together, and then using that as jumping off points to tell the bigger story about college football and American history. So the project grew from that concept. Yeah, I noticed, uh, I think when I first started following, it was when uh, when your first week here. Uh, for those watching, uh, I'm going to get pull up an uh, overlay here uh, for people to see. this. So basically up to this week, right, you're going to be in, in Jacksonville this week. So yep. far this week, you know, if for people watching, uh, this is where he's been each week uh, in order here. Uh, and I, I want to let you explain each week and maybe just give a brief reason uh, when you explain it, why you chose that week, if, you, if, if that's fair to you. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, LSU, UCLA, a couple of reasons there. LSU is a major Southern team, which is why I went back to Baton Rouge later in the year against Florida. You can see I, I went to school at UCLA. So I wanted to anchor this project. It's not just a college football story. It's the travel odyssey around the country. So I wanted to personalize it a little bit and start where I started 
But UCLA also has the distinction of being a major college football program on the West Coast. USC built West Coast football as we know it. UCLA came in almost 30 years after USC had started. But UCLA became a major figure in college football as well, from uh, Rose Bowls to Heisman winners to national titles and to really helping to integrate the game. Uh, Jackie Robinson played at UCLA and uh, many other notable athletes. So UCLA had a major role in uh, building college football. Uh, Texas, Arkansas was a game of the century, 1969, number one versus number two. Uh, many historical implications there. President Nixon famously choppered into that game and he was using it uh, in his reelection campaign in 1972. He, he thought he could win uh, votes by attending a big college football game, which, which, points towards my thesis, which says that college football is inseparable from American history and culture. So if a president uses a college football game to try and win a presidential election or at least help him, it, it's um, pretty fair proof that what I'm saying is true. Nebraska, Oklahoma, these were back-to-back -back game of the centuries. Two years later, 1971, Oklahoma, Nebraska, number one versus number two. Nebraska was uh, on the way to back-to-back -to -back titles. Uh, major game and kind of a defining game for the Southwest Great Plains region. So I wanted those teams and that rivalry to tell the story in that part of the country. Ole Miss, Alabama, major Southern schools. Uh, Mississippi has not played a big role in terms of championships or titles, but they played a big role in the social story of this country. Talk about the radical 60s and the move to uh, integrate Southern teams and universities. And then Alabama, obviously the monster of all monster traditions. And uh, yep. Alabama has been everywhere. First four national titles, one in the Rose Bowl. Uh, you know, I don't think I need to say too much about why Alabama's in this book. Oklahoma, Texas, same thing. Big Southwest rivalry had to have that. Florida LSU was pure Southern flavor. Talk about Florida, Louisiana, the big tailgates. Unfortunately, that one did not work out like I wanted it to. Uh, I was hoping for a top 15 kind of game. Night kickoff in Death Valley. Uh, it kicked off at 11 a.m. But to make up for that, it was one of the best games I've been at this year. Uh, for anybody who watched that, you know why it was uh, an incredibly exciting game, and I was glad I was there. SC Notre Dame, the major intersectional rivalry in the sport, West Coast, Midwest. Usually rivals are, are very close to each other geographically. This is a cross-country rivalry, and it's uh, it's a ferocious one. So that's why I was there. And then Florida, Georgia, baby, that's um, major SEC rivalry, major Southern rivalry, and really the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. It'll always be that to me. Uh encompasses a lot of things that are just pure college football. And the reason I'm writing this book from the land dispute between Florida and Georgia to the disputed records in the series to the uh, traditions. I know the Okafenoki ore is new and it's not big, but it's interesting because it's a thousand year old cypress tree in the Okafenoki swamp between the two states. So it's really, even though it's new, it kind of embodies what a college rivalry is all about, which is that geography, that hostility, uh, the disputes for players, the disputes over records, the close games, the the seasons ruined and all that stuff. And then, of course, you got the huge atmosphere down there along the uh, along the riverbank and at the the formerly called Gator Bowl. And again, I, I, I go with the old stuff, so I still call it the Gator Bowl. So that's kind of how I got here. You know, it's interesting here. I should have I should have put a disclaimer out. Right. If you're not a history buff, you might want to be careful. Um, I'm a history buff. So this is this is just music to my ears. Uh, so I should have. So my fault for anybody that listens to this 
uh, and you're not a fan of history. Uh, but look, when it comes to the fifth down, you know, Odyssey, I, I think the history, you know, talking about how college football has been, you know, a staple and really, like you said, kind of regional, but it's nice to see, you know, obviously me being in the South, uh, you know, kind of seeing what football, you know, college football more so is like on the West Coast and up north and yeah. and getting a lot of history in the meantime. So for me, you know, obviously these big games, you know, would, would it makes sense to go, especially I think, you know, the Red River, uh, you know, Florida LSU is kind of one. I, I know you mentioned it wasn't what you wanted to be like a nighttime in Baton Rouge. Yeah. You know, in, in my opinion, you know, watching a night game in Baton Rouge is. It's a different experience, right? It, it, yeah. It's just something about it down there. As soon as night, it just becomes like a bunch of crazy lunatics. Yeah. And, and that makes for good football, in my opinion, too, and an environment. So, yeah. you know, obviously both teams have underwhelmed a little bit. But, you know, what yeah. it, it, it is what it is. And obviously, right. you know, the cocktail party, you know, I want to get your thoughts here real fast. A quick question before we go on to the second half. Yeah. Uh, so, obviously, there's been a debate here, uh, you know, between, you know, Georgia fans, things like that where, you know, people are torn on whether it wants to stay in Jacksonville or move it to a home and home. If yeah. you being a third party, would you like to see it in Jacksonville continue or would you like to see it home and home? Oh, I love it in Jacksonville. I love the neutral site. Uh, I love the story behind that with the easy railroad access and the higher ticket prices and more monies for the school. I think the neutral site gives it a festival atmosphere that it wouldn't have on campus. And I think it's also one of the unique games in college football. And if you have something that's legitimately and organically unique in college football that goes back many decades, I think what, like 1933, they decided to make it permanent in Jacksonville, something like that. Um, I think if you have something that goes back that far, unless you have a really good reason to change it, you shouldn't. So this rivalry would change in my eyes. If I was writing this book down the road a few years and it was a home and home, I wouldn't be attending this game. So for me, Jacksonville is uh, the spot to keep it. You know, a lot of I think, you know, Jay Shipes here says anyone that owns a timeshare uh, or condo in Jacksonville wants it to stay. <laughs> and obviously they just recently uh, I think the mayor of Jacksonville uh, basically was announcing that, you know, their contract through 2025 now will stay in Jacksonville. Yeah. Uh, you know, but a lot of a lot of Georgia fans kind of understand that to me, you know, you look at the the proximity of this. Right. And, and yeah. It's 72 miles for uh, for Jacks or uh, for the Gators, right? Coming up from Gainesville, you know. Yeah. But you have to kind of take a plane to you know to go from Athens, you know. So there's been a lot of like you know discussion and things like that, and I've seen a lot of theories on how to to even it out, things like that, where you have some you know one year playing in Jacksonville, the next one playing in Atlanta, you know, things like that, you know. Yeah. But obviously, like the traditionists look, you know, the traditionalists. I should let me be clear there. You know, yeah. look, being in Jacksonville, it's it's always a fun uh, time. It seems to be almost half and half every year, right? Uh, I don't expect it to be this year just because how you know the how big the gap is between these two, but it's yeah. still a crazy ass robbery, right? It's it's yeah. going to be interesting, uh, regardless of you know what's going on outside of that. Once you get into the cocktail party environment, it's just a whole different world. Uh, yeah. So so far, so far to the games you've been two right i, I want to pull this back up just to you know just for clear for, uh help everybody out what yeah. was your favorite experience a game day experience out of the ones that you've been to so far yeah it's really tough they're all interesting and unique for uh, different reasons um you know i had i i went through norman twice for 
Nebraska, Oklahoma, and then I was in Norman again before I drove to – I actually drove down to Austin and then back up to Dallas so I could get both distances and see what both teams go through. It's actually interesting when you talk about the uh, the, the disparity in distances for the cocktail party. One of the things that's really interesting about the Red River Shootout is that it's almost equidistant. It's like almost exactly the same distance – from Austin to Dallas as it is Norman to Dallas. So uh, I understand what Georgia fans are talking about there. It is a legitimate complaint. I would actually say that that Oklahoma, Texas, if I had to pick one would probably be my favorite for several reasons. The cotton bowl, the the house that Doak Walker built tons of college football heritage there. Uh, the state fair at Texas, the way both fan bases take over it, it's a 50, 50 split and they take over dining halls and start chanting, and it's just this huge crush of, of mixed colors and everybody in a very festival-like atmosphere. And then for for a neutral stadium, uh, I mean, it is rocking in the Cotton Bowl, and it's fascinating to watch half the stadium happy and half the stadium miserable. It's rarely both happy at once unless we're talking about uh, pregame or halftime or something. Yeah. So I would say Oklahoma, Texas has probably stuck out as, as kind of the most uh, unique college football game day experience so far. Now, to, with that being said, is there a game, is there one specific game so far this year? Uh, obviously, you have this list here that, you know, you've went to, but is there one specific game or anything like that to where you wish you would have went instead of that week? Is there anything like that? Like, I think my thought maybe being, and I want to get your thoughts on this, the a and Bama game, right, and at Kyle Field. That yeah. kind of made me wonder, like, you know, when that game was played, you know, is that a game that you would have rather went to over the one that you did? Or, you know, is there a, is there another game in your head that, you know, like, damn, I should have went to that one? Yeah, you know, there's there's really not because I didn't select these games for their uh, value in 2021. I, I'd hope that many of these would be good, and usually they are because they're big rivalry games like Ole Miss uh, – Bama was obviously a roll of the dice because that game can, you know, that can be a, a lot of Bama and a little miss. And it kind of ended up being that way. But I picked these games with the bigger idea of the book in mind. So I needed their historical value and what they meant to building this sport to what we have today to this multi-billion dollar TV business that everybody loves. I needed that historical stuff as much as 2021. So, and I will also say I've essentially had, uh, amazing games at almost every stop. There have only been about two that weren't really competitive and the others have just been sensational games, either upsets or just uh, really tight, tight games all the way. And uh, I really, no, I don't have any, uh, any weekends where I thought I wish I would have done something else. Yeah. I, I didn't know. Obviously I knew the, you know, the logic behind it, but I knew it, but uh, you know, obviously there's some real, there's been some really interesting games and with the parody in college football so far this year, yeah. you know, it's just chaotic every week. So you, to me, I feel like if as a purist, right, I think that's really exciting, you know, especially when you're going across the country. Um, yeah. you know, but let's, let's go over here to the brigade here looking, you know, talking about the, obviously the cocktail party and things like that. Uh, Kirby's visor, uh, says if they get Gainesville and Jacksonville, we won Atlanta and Athens. And look, and obviously there's going to be, like I said, a bunch of theories on how to make it somewhat more even, right? But like I guess obviously we know that, you know, Jacksonville, look, there's a lot of money that, you know, both Georgia and Florida get, right? Yeah. Tons of money comes out of that game for both schools. Yeah. So, you know, obviously, you know, 
look, what we want sometimes money overweighs that, especially when it's going to, you know, to benefit the athletic departments, things like that. You, you kind of have to make that kind of call. Um, but, you know, with that being said, you know, Tanil also says cycle all three Athens, Gainesville, Jacksonville. Um, you know, like obviously, you know, Kirby's mentioned this. I think Kirby wants to, um, you know, kind of do a home and home just because it takes away from a recruiting weekend, you know, but to balance that, I think what it should be, you know, and, and if you're looking at that right there, honestly, I think you have the theory of, you know, whoever is the determined home team that year gets to bring in recruits. Maybe that's a way to right that maybe that's a way to kind of even that plan filled out from a recruiting yeah. standpoint, because, you know, typically Georgia and Florida lose a, a new, you know, lose a home game every year. Um, you know, regardless of your schedule, you know, if it's playing in Jacksonville, you don't get recruits. I think you should allow recruits, but, you know, make it yeah. make it similar to a home game. I think that's how, you know, that's how that kind of gets squared away there. Um, that would help Kirby out, you know, I think with the recruiting situation. Yeah, that's an interesting idea. It's it's interesting to hear Kirby say that too, because there are kind of a, a few guys who are really uh, all in on understanding this era of college football, and I'd say Nick Saban's obviously the top one, and then Kirby Smart, who came from that lineage, is following uh, that game plan in terms of just all out recruiting. So it's interesting to hear his his mindset on this is different than a, a fan's mindset, a television executive's mindset. His whole thing is whatever I can do to keep getting good players into Georgia. Uh, I like I like that idea. I think both teams honestly should be allowed to bring recruits to this game for this reason. Um, if I'm a recruit and Florida and Georgia want me on their football team, I want to experience this atmosphere. This is a huge selling point. I think it's a better selling point than you get every other year. You're going to get to go to Gainesville or every other year you're going to play in Athens. I actually if I'm a, if I'm a big time recruit. This is a showcase game. It's the 3.30 CBS. Uh, most of the country tunes into it. Uh, basically every year, 3.30. Yeah, basically every year. So let, let both teams bring recruits to this game and show them you come to our school, you know, once a year, you're going to get to come down here and play in this uh, wild festival-like atmosphere, and it's going to be a, a major memory for you as a college football player. Yeah, I, I think with, with your point here, just, you know, from an instance as a recruit, if I want to go to this game, you know, pick your side, right? Basically, I want to come. You know, I want to take a visit and sit on the Florida side, you know, as a Florida. Yeah. And that right there, you kind of, you know, as, you know, basically allocate some seats for recruits for Georgia, allocate some right. seats for Florida, things like that. Look, you know, for me here, I know the game's always fun, right? It's always fun. Um, I don't, I don't care, you know, where teams are right now, where Georgia is, where Florida is. I'm always going to hate the Gators. Look, that's just me. You see the G. Oh, sorry. You see the G. You already know that I'm going to hate my damn Gators. But right. you always want to see, obviously, you know, you always want to see this competitive game because it, it means more outside of just that game, right? Yeah. You know, you look at recruiting. You look at, um, you know, just what it brings, you know, to athletic departments, things like that. So, you know, I get, I get the logic to stay in Jacksonville, but I do think that, you know, you bring up arguments like Kirby does with the recruiting situation, I think you, you know, you alleviate that by doing what we've talked about. And that way both people kind of get happy, even though you're losing a home, you know, home game, you know, yeah. for instance, you, you know, recruits love Athens and we're about to transition to a perfect segment here to uh, ask you another question, you know, what it's like to go to you know Athens and visit Sanford stadium and the campus. Right. And, yeah. and with that being said, you were actually on 
uh, on the campus, right, yeah. and, and taking a little uh, stroll around uh, Athens. So what was your experience like there? I don't know if you've ever been uh, been to uh, Athens or not. What was no. it like for you? Yeah, this is my first trip. Uh, beautiful campus. Uh, I know when Georgia was building that campus, they modeled some of it off Yale University. Georgia has a very interesting uh, history with Yale from their early rivalry to actually getting Sanford Stadium built. I'll tell you, it was hillier than I thought it was going to be. Nobody told me how hilly Athens was. So I got out on a, a couple of uh, jaunts and, you know, the map doesn't show the hills. And next thing I know, I was just going up and down and up and down. But once you get used to that, man, a beautiful place. I love where the stadium is. Uh, some reps from the athletic department took me through Sanford yesterday. We kind of went through where the players walk in, um, went through the game day traditions, visited the monuments and obviously the uh, the UGA uh, Jeez, graveyard. That doesn't sound very happy. It's, it's more cheerful than a graveyard. It's definitely uh, more of a memorial type. Memorial. Situation. There you go. Thank you. Yeah, there we go. Kind of blank on the word. The Ugga Memorial, which is very <laughs> cool. Uh, went to the uh, the Ugga Dog Kennel down there, got all that story. And, um, man, really, really cool stadium. I understand why Kirby wants to get kids in there. We actually went to the end zone, the open end zone, and looked down into the section where they bring the recruits, and they got to kind of – it's a little VIP. There's some nicer seats. They all have seat cushions, and it's right above the tunnel where the players run out. And uh, the guys were telling me Arch Manning was row one a couple weeks ago on his recruiting visit, yep. and uh, loved it. So, yeah, I, I get you know I get it from Kirby's perspective. But Athens is a uh, great great campus. You know, obviously, I know on uh, on social media things like that. I, I've been following you, like I said, and I knew when you were coming to Sanford. I know I saw the picture teasing it right teasing yeah. you inside Sanford Stadium and, and I know we had talked about you doing some video as well so if yeah. anybody's curious about that uh you know I'm sure that you'll be posting that up as well uh Indeed. so definitely you know we'll talk more about this but obviously stay tuned there because there's some video and things like that uh, obviously talking about the book as well um you know but obviously you know looking at looking at what Sanford Stadium is about and, and we'll transition after this to the rest of you know to the rest of the Odyssey um yeah. From that right there, obviously 92,000, uh, roughly going on 93,000, right, uh, capacity. <clears throat> I'm, I'm, I'm a person that I think Josh Brooks and company, it, it's time to look into expanding, you know, capacity to try to fit a 100,000. You look at Bryant-Denny, you look at um, Neyland, uh, Neyland Stadium, things like that, yeah. whole, uh, Kyle Field, 100,000. With 92, 93,000, Georgia can be one of the loudest environments in college football, right? Yeah. Uh, with the, you know, the whiteout at Penn State against Auburn, you have that at a night game, and then you turn around and, you know, I don't know if you've heard about Holly Rowe talking about it, but, you know, the statistic where a noon kickoff against Arkansas, we were louder, right? Georgia, Sanford Stadium was louder with like 14,000 people less, right? So just imagine Sanford Stadium with 100,000 or more, that, to me, that would just be ridiculous because, you know, trying to picture this again, you know, 2019 uh, Notre Dame game comes to mind, right? Yeah. Obviously looking forward into the future, the marquee non-conference matchups, Kirby set up with Ohio State and Clemson, home and homes. Yeah. To me, that just screams just like you think it's electric now. I can only imagine 100,000 people. Look, yeah. dog fans, we're, we're, we're a breed of our own, you know, no pun intended. You know, look – when it comes down to a kickoff and, and we're bark, you know, sick on barking like right. 100,000 people, that would be absolutely fucking crazy. Just yeah. absolutely insane. 
Yeah, it, it would be. I know one of the things about that open uh, west end zone, I believe, out to the road on the campus, I, I know that was kind of a cherished thing of uh, Vince Dooley's, and he wanted uh, that open so when the public could walk by, they could look into their stadium and their their Georgia Bulldogs and, and have that opportunity. Um, if they wanted to expand, I know I went to school at UCLA, and they had a basketball coach named John Wooden, and when John Wooden got Poly Pavilion built, he was from kind of another era, and he had the uh, area behind the hoops. He did not allow them to start the grandstands until about 30 feet behind the baskets. We all know today in, in basketball, you want people right behind the hoop, distracting the free throw shooters and all that <clears> stuff. So Cameron Indoor is a perfect example of that. Yeah. So UCLA, when they redid Poly Pavilion a few years ago for a you know, couple hundred million bucks, they brought the stands underneath the hoops. They, you know, Coach Wooden had passed away and it was just time to change Poly Pavilion. So with Vince Dooley, I, I suppose there will come a point where you say Coach Dooley had a the right idea for the time, but now we need a bigger stadium and we'd like to close in this end zone and add some more seats and get to 100,000. I, I can see there being a time when that happens. And if it, it makes sense financially for Georgia and for uh, the TV networks, the, I'm, I'm sure they'll do it at some point. You know, I, I think so too, right? Like you have the, you know, on the uh, the 600 level seats, right? On the uh, visitor side, you know, I'm no engineer, so I'm not going to tell you, you know, how to do it, right? I'm just not because, well, I'm not an engineer. But, you know, I, I think there's a way, you know, maybe even to to preserve that West end zone. Right. And the mystique behind that while yeah. still getting to your capacity, you know, goal. Uh, like I said, leave that to the guys that, you know, design this stuff and whatnot. But I do want to kind of transition, obviously, after the cocktail party, where you're going to go and, and obviously how you're going to finish out this odyssey, uh, so to speak. So I'm going to let you continue with, you know, obviously, after the cocktail party, where you're going to go. And and like I said, why you're choosing. Uh, these locations? Yeah. Uh, Oregon, Washington. So I have UCLA and USC for Southern California, Oregon, Washington are, uh, that's a major rivalry in the Pacific Northwest. It's a bitter rivalry. These fans do not like each other. They go at each other all year on Twitter. Husky stadium in Seattle is one of the great ballparks in college football. Uh, Washington calls it the greatest setting. It's on the shores of Lake Washington it's just beautiful, and they redid it a few years ago and modernized it. And uh, getting to a game at Husky Stadium has always been an important thing to me. And I want those two schools to tell the story of Pacific Northwest College football, Washington being kind of the heritage program, a foundational school in the Pacific, the different iterations of the Pacific Conference. And then Oregon is kind of the nouveau school. Oregon represents a lot of where college football is headed, and Oregon has been the, the spark plug behind a lot of where college football is headed and a lot of things you see. So that's an interesting story. Florida State, Miami. I came up in the 90s uh, is when I really uh, got into college football and uh, it became a really important game to me. The state championship of Florida in the 90s between Florida State, Miami, and Florida always had a say in the national title. And it was just a ferocious rivalry. You talk about driving the game into the next century with the level of talent, with the speed of the game, with the ferocity of the game, and the sophistication of the coordinators and everything else. Uh, Florida was was the driving force in that. So I'm actually going to be traveling up from Miami to Gainesville. I hope to do something cool in Gainesville and then on to Tallahassee for the game. And obviously it, it doesn't mean 
what it used to. And so the chapter is kind of a requiem, a, a look back at the 90s and, and what it meant and how it affects the game today. Harvard-Yale is the classic heritage game. I'll be at uh, Princeton, then to Harvard, then to Yale at the Yale Bowl. The Rose Bowl was modeled after the Yale Bowl. And uh, the Ivy Leagues are the reason we have college football. They created the game. They built the first interest in it. They started the Thanksgiving Day games at neutral sites. And everybody was chasing the Ivy Leagues. The Ivy League coaches went west and south and built programs. And it's it's the foundational spot for the game. So that's my heritage game. Uh, Ohio State-Michigan, obviously the major rivalry in the uh, industrial north. Uh, that was another game when the when the sport left the East in the Ivy Leagues. Uh, it went they called it West, but it was really the Midwest. The Western Conference, now known as the Big Ten, was the next place where the the sport of college football really boomed. The Big Ten was created in 1895. You know, you look at the SEC as 1932 or 33. So the Big Ten was almost 40 years old at the time the major Southern Conference formed. So Michigan, Ohio State. I hope it's going to be interesting. Ohio State's been dominant, as everyone knows. I think it'll be a good one this year. I think it'll be closer than most other ones in the past, in my opinion. I, I agree, and I hope you're right. Um, and then after that, I'm going to the SEC Championship, the first, the best conference title game, the one that started it all. So I actually can't wait for that at the new stadium in Atlanta. Um, you know, that that was – I was a very young, but I remember the um, – the Florida Alabama opening game. It almost ruined Alabama's national title chances. It was almost a disaster. Had Florida won that game, had Spurrier's team pulled the upset, we might not have the conference championships we have today, but Alabama won and all was well. And then of course, army Navy, which uh, outside the Ivy league, this is my major heritage game. I, I have a, I have a friend who went to West point. He's going to join me. I think we're sitting with the graduating class of uh, his class. The, the old, um, Cadets, yeah, cadets that are coming back. So um, that that that's another one. I'm really when you talk about the pageantry and uh, the brigades marching onto the field and the corps cadets marching onto the field and the president possibly being there and what you know the whole show at that game is something I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, I mean you don't even have to be you know most people don't really pull for army or navy unless you're a vet you know or. Right. Uh, you know, something like that. Or you actually went there, you know, to be a cadet and, and officer, things like that. You know, right. But look, I, myself as a vet here, I, I look at that game and you know, it's more to it than just football almost. Right. You look at the you know, oh, you yeah. look at the like you said, the pageantry and, and the culture and, and, the you know, the environment, you know, uh, president going there every year, things like that. I know you have the Air Force Academy, which Air Force, I, I like how they're playing on the field. Yeah. But there's just something about, you know, obviously and, and with the commander chief trophy between the three. You know, right. look, Army Navy. There's just something about it. It's historic, um, and it's always a good time. And, and about anybody outside, you know, anybody in college football is going to pull for nobody there. They're just going to watch the football game and, and have a good time. So, yeah. you know, yeah. I, I look at it that way, right? I, I think it's just something oh, yeah. that, you know, it's just something I, I could see making sense why you would want to go there just based off the history alone. With yeah. that being said, though, with that being said. Out of those games, which one are you most excited for? You know, if Michigan and Ohio State stay on their courses and Michigan uh, holds serve and gets into that game either undefeated or one loss, uh, I'm really looking forward to Michigan and Ohio State. I kind of wish it was in Columbus because I've been to a game in Ann Arbor, but a packed big house uh, the day after Thanksgiving sounds like a lot of fun to me. Or sorry, the Saturday after Thanksgiving sounds like a lot of fun to me. 
Um, and then the Army Navy is uh, one I'm really looking forward to. We talked about all the, the the pageantry and heritage and stuff. Army Navy is another one of these games that was a driving force for much more in American culture. When you talk about television and the spread and use of television, Army Navy was on TV before almost any other game. And oftentimes it was the only game that was broadcast way in the early games of uh, the early years of television. Uh, so it's been, you know, that's college football. When I talk about being baked into the history and, and heritage of the United States, that's, that's the other kind of stuff I'm talking about. The development of radio, the development of television, uh, the development of sports as a property that we consume in this country, college football, as much as anything, major league baseball, you can put right there, but college football is the driving force behind that. And army Navy is uh, one of those major games. So I'm looking forward to all of them, but those two I'm kind of, uh, I, I have, I have high hopes for. I mean, rightfully so, right. I think you look at the playoff implications, right. With uh, Michigan and Ohio state, obviously, yeah. like you said, you know, the history behind the army Navy game, everybody can watch it. Right. I, I think it's just something you can watch and just enjoy the game. Right. Yeah. Uh, even if it's an ugly game, you know, produ uh, productivity wise on the field, it's, it's still one of those games that like, you know, most people tune into, not everybody, right? It's not for everybody, but, yeah. you know, most people will hop in. So, look, we're going to have a Q&A here, obviously, um, for everybody in the brigade. that They know what's going on. But with that being said, I know you have some uh, travel stuff to go on. So, you know, if, if you want to stick around, obviously feel free. Uh, but if not, we completely understand. But before, you know, before we wrap up the show, I do want to give you a chance to let people know where they can find out more about you and, and the Odyssey. Uh, if they're interested to, to find out uh, more about it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'll stick around for a, for a few minutes. I got a few minutes to take some questions if people have them. Um, yeah, so I'm all over social media. Fifth Down, uh, you can see my shirt. It's Fifth Down 5TH and uh, CFB for college football. That's fifthdowncfb.com. That's my website. Uh, if you go there, please drop off your email. I send out a newsletter a week. That's where you can kind of follow where I'm at and what's going on. And that's where I'll be keeping people up to date on the book that's being written and when that's ready to go. Beyond the website, I'm all over social media. I'm on Twitter all the time. Uh, we chat all the time on Twitter. Uh, Instagram. Twitter and Instagram and YouTube are going to be the best. I'm on Facebook, but not very often. And uh, I'm on LinkedIn a little bit, but not very often. So if you want to chat, find me on Twitter, YouTube videos, all that stuff. But the website, go there, drop off your email. We can keep in touch and uh, you can follow this this book project, which is the the end point of this whole thing. It's a book on college football and its place in American history. Absolutely. So with that being said, though, guys, we're going to wrap up today's show. But before we do, I uh, just want to let everybody know, listening, watching, November 5th, uh, we're doing a obviously the DGD podcast. We'll be doing our Veterans Day show. Uh, we will not have shows that following week, the week of Veterans Day, which is why we are doing it early. Uh, so, November 5th, we're going to do uh, special guests. We're going to talk college football, do a military story time for anybody that's curious and wants to hear uh, stories about, you know, experiences while we were, uh, me and guests were in the military. Uh, we'll do that right there. Look, everything, you know, donations are going to be able to uh, happen as well. Uh, donations go straight to the Wounded Warrior Project. Uh, and also with lots of rain uh, for the week from November 5th to November 12th, uh, there is a special code, DGD Vet Day. Uh, use that code for 15% off. Uh, and if you do use that code, you will be entered to win a lots of rain gift card. So with that being said, this wraps it up for the DGD Podcast. 
Mark, just wanted to say thank you again for coming on. Uh, my pleasure having you on. I know uh, you're getting famous, man. People, you know, like I said, you were on Fine Bomb and things like that. Uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll talk about that with the brigade in just a second if they want to. Uh, obviously, look, if you're on YouTube, like, subscribe, follow, uh, you know, YouTube, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, you know, make sure you like it as well. It helps the, helps the show a lot. Uh, you know, wherever you get your podcast, find us, listen to us, rate us, review us. With that being said, though, go dogs, fuck the Gators, <laughs> and have a good one. We'll catch you tomorrow. Thanks for having me on. This is the DGD podcast. Go dogs. <laughs> <laughs>